You ever feel your phone vibrate in your pocket and then you check and it isn't? I felt my phone vibrate in my pocket the other day. I wasn't even wearing pants, first of all, so... Absolutely. You ever see someone lose their phone? It's like they lost a toddler. Oh my God, I think I just left my phone in the cab. Let me ask you a question. If you had to choose between leaving your toddler in a cab, but then the driver brings it back like 20 minutes later, or you leave your cell phone in the cab and it's gone forever, which would you choose? Dude, if you're even discussing this, you have a cell phone addiction. I'll see you at the meeting, buddy. Call me, Dr. Jones, known as the Night Tripper. Got my satchel of grease in my hand. Dig me tripping up and back down to buy you. I'm the last of the best, they call me the Greedy Man. Got many clients. Come from miles around, running down my prescription. What's up, everybody? Hello, hello. I got medicine. And welcome. Cure all y'all. To the Poe Boys Podcast. I'm your host, that motherfucker, Jody B. And uh, I got a new episode. This one is uh, particularly special to me. This is a person who I've gotten to listen to and get to know through podcasting, and I'm a fan. Uh, You heard in the intro, uh, my guest is Justin Silver, and he's a really great guy. Uh, Just hearing him interact with some of the other comics in the local scene, I think that he's a genuine person, and uh, I'm really, really happy that he took time to speak with me today, so appreciate you, motherfucker. And uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's it, it's a good show. I, I I very much enjoyed it. So uh, I hope that that it goes off well. And yeah, I'm not gonna waste a lot of time. I I, I don't have a lot. I, I do want to give you a heads up. Um, I am in a hurry today. We have to go to a Veterans Day parade and throw candy at strangers. So. Uh, I'm going to try to cut out as much of the mouth breathing as I can. Sorry about that. But uh, there are a few spots in there where I brought the conversation to a halt. So I'm going to cut that out so you won't even know what happened, bitch. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, enjoy. And uh, you guys look him up, follow him, and and make yourself a fan. Or else. (laughs) Call me Dr. John, known as a night tripper. A saddle of green grease in my hand Then it tripping up Back down the body You know I'm the last Whoa John, John, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah. I done did a lot of things in my day. I admit it, I don't take back what I say. If I said it, then I meant it. All my life I won a Grammy, but I probably never get it. I ain't never had no trophy or no motherfucking ribbon. Fuck the system, I'm that nigga. Bend the law, cut the rules. I'm about to risk it all. I ain't got too much to lose. Y'all been eating long enough. It's my turn to cut the food. Pass the plate with my drink. This my day. Lucky you. Fuck you too. Woo! Y'all gotta move. Y'all gotta move. Gotta move. Give me some room. Give me some room. Give me the juice. How about the coop? How about the coop? How about the shoot? Y'all gotta move. Y'all gotta move. Give me the juice. Back on my bullshit. My back to the wall. Turn my back on you all and you finish. Back to these bullets. It's back to the job. Put my Mac out and all of you running. Back on my hood shit. It's back to the pushing. These tax and I'm actually pumping. Can't fuck with you rappers. You practically sucking. You might have went platinum, but that don't mean nothing. I'm actually buzzing this time. Straight out the kitchen. I told him not up in his mind. I do not fuck with you guys. If I don't kill you, just know you go suffer this time. I ain't no gangster, but I got some bangers, some chains and some blazing, a couple of nines. Choppers and jimmies, a partridge of pantry. My 20s and Christmas was nothing but lies. I run at you hot like a sumo. They say I talk like a chulo. I live in Mars, I'm not Bruno. Bitch, I'm a duck, call me Cujo. You play your cards, I reverse on you all, and I might just drop all like a Uno. Callas, they woke up my home, they call it Obuto, and all of you culo. Never better to level up in the ghetto to ghetto, looking for something I probably can never find now. I shake it real up until the beat die down. The truth is, niggas just really want me tied down. I've been alone and I never needed nobody, just only me and my shotty, I tell these niggas to lie down. Keep all the money, I never wanted a lifestyle. Why the spirit got on my son of a yard right now? I said, ain't no love for the other side or anyone who ever wants smoke. When I die, I'm going out as an underdog who never lost hope. You in the wrong cab, down the wrong path, nigga, wrong way, wrong road. Snakes in the grass, trying to slip the fast, I just bought a fucking lawnmower. Good lord. That fucking shit goes hard, man. I love this song. That, uh, that sounded like my bar mitzvah songs. So right. I was, uh, I was right at home with that choice. <laughs> Hands in the air, then That's giving like, a and shit. And here comes Grandpa to light the third candle. <laughs> like, I did, a, I did a lot of dumb things. I did it. It's like trap music. That's right. Great. Speaking, you got to get the, that inflection, though, that makes it nice. So it's, it's good. Yeah. It's good. Welcome, actor comic beastmaster yeah <laughs> amazing amazing person and i'm just i'm tickled to death that you decided to come join me uh fresh from the east coast uh mr justin silver good morning good morning my pleasure i'm i'm happy to be here with you i gotta be honest man i've got a few people that that i listened to kind of over the last couple of years that i've wanted to reach out to but uh-huh. it's weird with this podcast thing. Uh, you want to get kind of better at talking to people <laughs> before you start inviting motherfuckers on here. Yeah. Because you don't want to uh, not do a good job. <laughs> so there's still a few people I haven't moved into. And, uh, hey, you're one of the first ones. I'm really excited oh, that you're here good. today, man. It's really cool. You're breaking your, 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 you're breaking your cherry with me, then. I'd be gentle, man. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you know what? I want to start dating women that are taller than me. You just start with someone who's – you start with an inch. <laughs> I think – I really think that, that getting guests for any kind of thing with the podcast shit that's going on is a lot like dating, man, or dancing, however you want to look at it. But you, you, you can jump in and just go for it, and it can be a total fucking train wreck. And, or you might find somebody that you're really fucking good at talking to, and it, it, you make gold, man. I love it. Well, to make to, to to give you a little bit of kudos, man, your approach from you know your direct message to hey, can we? You were very graceful and cordial, and you're uh, you're a good uh, you're a good communicator. So that's good because you get a lot of people who are like, hey, I want to interview this kind of thing. But the way you approach it, I thought you were very savvy, and I was like, you know, happy to talk to you. So, but it makes me so, feel good. So that's all good stuff, man. It's good to have like a lot of people. I think like you know, this is an interesting thing. Like in this day and age of of conversations being so like you have a million conversations going on at once through a million different channels 
and it's like you know you're emailing people people don't even like sign their name or, or capitalize or anything it's so easy for people to just be like yes no monosyllabic sort of rude and not really um, take a moment to express themselves properly or recognize that you're having an actual conversation with a person even if it's short or it's through a direct message so like I, I just noticed that a lot of time like you know how every it, we're like in the age of like quick defensiveness yeah you know someone well, makes a caption on something you're like well and then you write back like well i didn't mean it like that so fuck you and it's like wait easy it's like people you know there's a there's a lack of just social etiquette that goes on through the digital world that um i think that the people who can express themselves properly and communicate clearly and be like hey here's who i am here's my interest in what i'm doing here's my appreciation of what you do is it possible for, for us to make a connection somehow whether you're doing that in a business way like you, we're doing it right here or you're doing it in a, a love matching way which you know who knows where this podcast is going to end so yeah who knows where this is going to go Justin? You know what I'm saying? Away, it does um it's really weird to interact with people online because a lot of times you don't know if they're fucking with you uh, yeah <laughs> unfortunately there's a lot of people out there that like fucking with people and uh I had somebody once lead me all the way up to the the moment that we were going to record, and then they just ditched me. I was like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you, man. Don't worry. Yeah, I'll see you there. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get there, you go, work. you ready? And then nothing. <laughs> wow. That shit is rude. <laughs> yes, it's rude. But here we are, keeping with the positive. We're, we're making a connection. Yeah, absolutely. So here's the thing, man. You know. I uh, I just recently started listening to the the podcast with you and Mike Vecchione, the No Disrespect oh, podcast. Yeah, um, I know that you've kind of been around the scene for a while, and I'm just curious. Like, I want to know more about you, man. I want to know kind of like where where you grew up. Like, what what kind of led you into comedy? I'm not going to give you the standard. Like, well, did somebody tell you you were funny? Like, I'm curious. Yeah. I know that I've heard you have a lot of stories uh, to deal with with anxiety and 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 yeah. alcoholism and and you seem I'm going to be completely honest when I first heard your voice cuz let's with podcasting that's how you make your first connection right I heard your voice and I go oh this motherfucker he probably looks like Dave Attell he's just a little squatty fucking Jew <laughs> and and he you know talks and and gets into his stuff and I go I bet he's really cool and then I saw a picture of you and I was like fuck this guy <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I deal with that a lot you surprised <laughs> <course>. me <laughs> yeah motherfucker <laughs> that, that happens you got a face for GQ but your voice is Jim Florentine it's fucking amazing like the first time yeah. I saw it I go this is this is nuts and just to kind of to now have that perspective of you know you you're a very positive person you're good looking dude you fucking you like your, your work with dogs and yeah. you're just trying to hustle it out, and I appreciate the shit out of that, man. I, I like oh, watching yeah. watching everything develop. So first and foremost, like, where are you from originally? Are you from New I'm, York? I'm a born and bred New York kid. I'm like Ooh. I'm I'm the grandson of Holocaust survivors who had their whole family wiped out. Um, and then my grandparents started here anew with nothing, and I have like an incredible mother. And sort of an absent and a little and a, and a bit of an absentee father, and I was just sort of like a, a very creative um, only child. Like trouble. I mean, I have half brothers and sisters now and all that stuff, but like sort of like a troublemaking kid who was always very artistic and very supported through a very nurturing, loving, artistic mother to like express myself, and which translated into. Um, no sort of function at school, but it didn't matter as long as he was painting and drawing, which is what I did. And I was always encouraged to really 
um, be whatever I wanted to be and, and nurtured to go toward the arts. Um, and as a result of kind of uh, having a lot of female influence in my life and no real male parenting, that kind of spun me out at a young age where I had a lot of um, obsessive compulsive disorders and problems and just questions. And, you know, it's sort of like that creative mind, you know, there's sort of the the other side of that coin, which a lot of times can be, um, there's a difficult side to those, to that thing. And for me, it was very, very difficult to function in school and to function, like I always had a lot of friends, but it was very, very difficult for me to kind of go along to get along and I couldn't stand school and I ended up in boarding schools and then running away from boarding schools, but you know, um, never too crazy enough and always had enough of a, a good relationship with my mother that like she kind of kept me from getting into too much trouble. And um, I went from being an art major in college to going into uh, acting and stuff like that because I was just so enamored with film. I, I, I wanted to make, I went from fine arts to film and then from film to acting and then I just dropped out of school. I was always the kind of kid who was like, you know, I was always following the next shiny thing yeah. and had a lot of talents and skills that I was good at. And so I went to, um, I started acting and then from acting I was, I was a little bit, I think I'm one of those people that because I didn't have a lot of, uh, paternal discipline in my life didn't realize that things don't happen overnight right there's a process to things and that um you really have to put your head down and go to work and it's not just you know after the fun of some uh, the initial um dopamine uh, uh, of something new that you know that initial spark that initial joy you get from something it's like it becomes a lot of hard work and that was something that i didn't really understand and that's why i bounce around from thing to thing a lot and when I went into comedy clubs and I was watching, you know, you mentioned David Tell. Novelty was the word I was looking for a right. second ago. That a novelty wears off, excuse me. Um, and then when I went into comedy clubs and I saw guys like David Tell, I was like, holy shit, this is, this guy is like a magician. It's rough. Like he just has this ability <laughs> to make me explode from the inside out with laughter whenever he wants to. And I was so, so attracted to it that I was like, this is something I have to try to do. And... Um, I started doing it and I never really, I kind of got over the stage fright hump of it really quickly right. from being a good actor. And I think from just, you know, that has to be, help. I've always wondered that, you know, yeah, if you've had it, experience it, it, with, like, with any kind of public speaking or drama, any, any of that, I think it definitely takes a little bit of the edge off that, that stage it presence. Takes, it takes a ton of it because you understand how to intonate, you understand how to delineate, you understand how to. You know, I was doing voiceovers for years before I started doing comedy. So you understand how to speak it to a microphone. You know what your voice sounds like. You know, like when you do that thing where you're like, like that's going to sound like that. Like you know how to use your voice as an instrument and a character. Yeah. And, you know, comedy was before it was visual. It was comedy albums. You know, you would listen to comedy before you would watch it on TV. So it would be um, really good at getting your point across. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It teaches you how to like – and I think also understanding how to do like from doing monologues, I understood that a joke has a beginning and a middle and an end. And in the first, in the beginning, you know, your jokes are horrendous. They're terrible. They're yeah. – you know, they're all about the same thing. They're a lot about, of dick like, jokes. <laughs> a lot of dick, dick jokes and, porn, and shit. It's, like, and... it's the lowest common denominator. It's like – but then I remember I was with uh, – me and Big J Okerson are – really really good friends like he, he's basically like family to me. i love jay i uh i saw his uh the degenerate special the other night it's, oh, it's yeah. fantastic That's he almost funny. killed me he literally almost killed me on my couch 
Yeah, he, it was great. We actually, the only time he saw it was when the two of us were laying on a hotel bed together going over the first rough edit when he first got it in uh, in Tampa, Florida. So uh, um, It turned out yeah. really good. So shout out yeah, to, to Jay. Too. I good job. So too. No, and he, he's, a, he's a big influence of mine. I remember we were spending like a, we were spending a Christmas at his house and he was talking to me. He's like, you know, you're really this deep, thoughtful, emotional person. And you have this look of somebody who, like, men, the second you get on stage, like, you're physically fit and good-looking. And, like, right. dudes kind of want to hate you. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, and the reality is you qualify to be here as much as the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And so I was telling him about my OCD, and we called my stepmother. who used to tell him about, like, the twitches I had as a kid. And she and he just started breaking out laughing he's like dude you have to start talking about that stuff on stage and i didn't really understand how i can make that funny in any way and he helped me work on it and he's like i promise you this is going to be the best part of your act and now not really specifically that joke which i still do in a way but that um that theme right. about trying to get over problems and just how we're all struggling to get through the day and hey i might i might look like i have all my shit together but like, let me just let me just disclose to you how flawed and right. fucked up I really am in ways that we can all relate to because we all have our day to day quirks and foils. But then there's even like an underlining current of this that's just a lot deeper, and that really is sort of the base of who I am on stage, and not too different from the way I am off stage. And in a way, my I don't want to call it a character, but the voice that I choose to really express myself through on stage. Um is really like a, it really helps me stay positive in the rest of my life because I have all these things I do like staying fit and you know I, I do a lot of like positive work on myself and in a way um, the cathartic part about expressing myself comedically when I go through something really really difficult helps me get over that part quicker so I can get to like a positive place in myself so in a way com- comedy is almost it's like a part of my process to evolve does that make sense? It's a necessity. It's almost like working out. Like for some reason you figured out that this is a thing that you have to do to get your shit out creatively. Yeah. It's a valve. Yeah. It's your, it's your, uh, your overflow valve. <laughs> you got to open it, motherfucker sure. up. So if you don't yep. perform, you, you get a little crazy, huh? You know, I'm going through something really difficult right now, which uh, the details are not that important. But I like for the past two days, I've like this thing hit me like a ton of bricks. Um. And I had to perform last night and the night before, and I was like, part of me was like, you know, when you're going through something, it's important for me to not be alone. Right. And I was like, all right, good. I'm glad I have these shows to go to, but I'm not feeling funny at all. And then the second I get up there, I just start connecting with the audience, and a lot of times my comedy is a lot more heartful, and it's a lot more honest. And it was such the thing I needed over the past two days. I was like, oh, thank God I had this. Got to get it out, man. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people don't have that. Uh, a lot of people just go through life balled up, and then one day somebody crosses the the line, and then they they fucking beat the shit out of them, or yeah. they end up yelling at some old lady in traffic. I mean, it's it's good that you figured some stuff out, and I I, I really I'm sorry you're going through some shit, but yeah, I think but that your personality seems to be uh, uh, positively motivated, and I hope that you can keep that moving, and yeah, you'll get through it, man. We all Thank go through you. the shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Thank you. I so you don't have any brothers or sisters. You're only child. No, I have like half brothers. I have my two 
twin cousins who they we grew up in the same house, so they're like sisters to me, and their their kids are like my nephews. And then I have my half brothers who live in Florida, who I just got back from seeing them. So I do like I I have like a large family now, but kind of growing up, um, just like you know, it was mostly me and my mom. Right. That's what I was trying yeah. to get at, man. Like I think that maybe being from some of the situations you're from, you seem like you have an edge. But to be completely honest with with what I've heard, I've I've heard you go off on some shit, but I've also heard you really be sincere about some shit. And I think that you're a very emotional person, which is great. I think that's going to help a lot with your career because, like you said, if you can figure out a way to connect your emotions with your performance and you can get on stage and you don't have to be a character – well, yeah. you're not even working at that point. You know what I'm saying? You're just yeah. you're just being you. You're living life. Yeah, correct. Correct. Yeah. That seems like it would be awesome if you could figure out how to make it happen. So I hope well, that, that, that you know, that's like with neurotic like, you know, no disrespect is uh that project is really something where me and Mike get to be silly and stuff and it's it's a lot more um ridiculous than it is sincere. But we've started having these episodes where and we're gonna you you'll start hearing these where in between the episodes where we have um, guests on, we're gonna st- we're doing these episodes where he and I are just talking, and every time we do them, we get like we look at each other like, wow, that was really powerful for the both of us. And because a lot of times the scheduling is such where we have to bang two out at once, right. it's really a lot of work. The amount of prep we do for the episodes with the guests, and we said, well, why don't we just start doing these ones where first we have, um. First, we have an episode with the guest, and then we'll record another one where it's just you and me. And those ones that we record when it's he and I really, um, they just become these heartfelt conversations, not dissimilar to the one that you and I are having right now. Although this is a little bit more one-sided because it's, you know, you're interviewing me rather than vice versa. Right. Um, and then my idea with Neurotica was that it would really be a forthcoming, really be a, a way that I could um, explore sort of the psychological things that I go through and also try to help people through the process of just showing them that they're not alone. And, you know, and that, 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 that project really, it had legs and the legs fell off and it had an identity crisis for a second. And now I think it's actually something I'm going to try to start up again, but we're looking to start it up more in like a, like a TV format. So, you know, that could be cool. I was looking for that uh, online, and I, I'm going to be honest, I'm terrible at looking for shit. So I looked uh, a couple times, and I couldn't find much. That was the only thing of yours that I was going to ask about. Like, is that yeah, it was, still around, was thinking, or <laughs> what's what's going on? Yeah, I'm it? gonna, I'm gonna. People really liked it, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick it back up again. It was like it, it was starting to do all right. I think I'm gonna just do it from a. Um, it, it just from a time management perspective, I got to figure out how to give that the attention that it needs because it's when you're doing a podcast, like we have a whole production team at Gas Digital and it's really amazing to be able to go in, lay things down and then say like, okay, here's what we'd like and they do an incredible job at being at fulfilling those tasks for us. Um, you have a whole team at that network. Um, but when you're doing it on your own, it's like it's it's hours and hours and hours of work. Even if you try to cut it down, it's like you still – I try to do things – I like to do things properly and completely. Right. So, you don't want to um, half-ass anything. You know, That's not good. <laughs> say again? You don't want to half-ass anything. That's not very you don't good. You want to half-ass anything. And when you're doing things in the beginning, there's no money in them. And so it's like you know your your time is valuable at the same time. So – you know, just from a time management perspective, it's sort of like, you know, where can I put the most energies and stuff? So, um, we'll see where, like, it'll be back in some form or fashion. And if I do, it'll be back in a more complete 
and probably more elevated way. So that's what I think I'm going to. Uh, that's where you'll see that again. I think it's cool that um, with the whole gas digital network thing, I think it's neat that they're actually trying to to produce shows and, and do a good job at that. So at the worst case with, with working with them now, you'll at least know what you're in for, what you need to get. That's cool, man. It's teaching people how to make themselves self-sufficient. It, it's the best place. I mean, as far as networks, podcast networks in New York, and me and Vecchione were saying this the other day, we're like, we are so happy that we're there. Yeah. We're I re- so happy we're there because it's like, it's it's a really close group of friends. Um, Lewis and Ralph really, really do an incredible job at building the environment and setting the tone so that it is... Um, so catered to the hosts doing what they want to do and fulfilling their visions of it. And they, you know, they're, they're working their ass off those guys. They really do. And Lewis is a psychopath and a friend of mine for so many years. And me and him at butt heads, like, uh, like we battle it out like nobody, but you know, when it comes to like the work, he's really great at that. And I think that Vecchione and I really try to take advantage of each and every angle that they have on that. Um, between the sound effects people, the graphics people, to try to put out the best product possible. Your content's not bad either. Uh, how did that CBD in your booty hole work the other day? Pretty felt good? really good. It was just it was you know it was interesting because the Infinite CBD they're a fantastic company who sponsors us, and uh, and I love those products and I did everything except the suppository. So you said suppository. I thought it was going to be like a, a capsule because that's usually it's like you so know that, the so tip that's of your what finger. I thought it was too. Because it's shaped like that. Maybe I cut it wrong. Right. Because it's like it looked like – they're called rocket ships. So it looked like a dart, like the head of like a pen. Yeah, that's what it's supposed and to I, be. Like a little – like the tippy of a pinky finger. Like if you just took it off at the first knuckle. That's kind of exactly, like that. That's maybe what, a little it, longer. They were in these plastic things. And I think I maybe I cut the casing and just squeezed the gel in there. <laughs> so it felt great. I mean, But you know, all that stuff is just done to be as silly and ridiculous as possible, and I don't mind doing that stuff. I no, think that's I'm kind of- genuinely interested. I mean, hey, there's some people, you know, why not put it in your booty hole? If it's if CBD is working as well as it is, it's funny to me that you're open and honest enough to be like, fuck it, what's the worst that could happen? I feel good? <laughs> I'm, I'm just, but I'm also like a... I'm also like an exhibitionist. So to me, it's sort of like, you know, taking my clothes off on the podcast and that kind of thing. I mean, absolutely. But I did reason. It was an opportunity that presented itself and you took full advantage, sir. I appreciate your effort. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) This show's funny, man. And uh, you guys had, uh, had Rosebud Baker on the other day and, I thought that was a really good one. It really was. And I do want to say, uh, I, I sent you a note about this. Uh, you got a question from from a listener who I think needs to have like a nice conversation with a friend about his girlfriend having extra, extra long labias. <laughs> Seven twists. Seven. Now, come on now. You're just being mean. Seven. You can't get seven twists out of a pussy lip, Justin Silver. Uh, that, that, that may be. That may be. Maybe he has tiny fingers. I don't know what happened. It may be an exaggeration, but you know, it's, all, hope it's, so. all, it's all meant to be in good fun. Okay. <laughs> To provoke the guests to kind of give an honest answer, but I thought she could have been a little bit more. I thought she could have been a little bit more sensitive to his side of things. <laughs> First of all, don't grab and wrap your girlfriend's labias around your finger. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I don't know if it was around. We got to listen back to that again and actually figure out the details of what the question was. So it proves my point with 
with Gas Digital, and Lewis is another subject. Like I, I love Lewis J. Gomez. I really do. And I've gotten to, to be a fan and a listener of his for the last few years. And he's crazy, but he gets shit done. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? With the network and with all the shows and the support, I feel like you guys are doing everybody a service because you're taking these people like Rosebud Baker, who... I kind of know and have heard of from like the Roastmaster things. I know she's a fucking slaughterhouse. I know she she marks folks on stage. I would never know. I'm in the middle of Arkansas. I would never know who that person is ever without the internet, a network, and podcasts. And so that's really cool to me. I really enjoy that aspect of this whole thing. If this was 10, 15 years ago, you know, she would be a 20, 30 year comic for anybody who would know. And now it's cool that somebody can be in for 10, 15 years, 20. And, and start to really build up that cred. And then you get a Netflix special, man. It's nice yeah. to see that the world... Yeah. Everybody's coming yeah. around to comedy. There's the It's hot right now. And I appreciate the fact that people are actually giving it the attention. That's good. Yeah, it's, it's such a different thing, I guess, when you're in New York where sort of it's all happening. It can feel like... Uh, it can feel very overwhelming here. You can feel sort of like... Because uh, you're in the middle of the pack here. And uh, I guess sometimes... There's a lack of appreciation for, you know, if there's comics in Arkansas, they're like, yeah, like, what are their opportunities? You know, you're going to have to get the hell out of there and get over here. There's but one, I know there's only even, one comedy club here, man. <laughs> yeah. And even if there's like, you know, and you're you just can't develop. It's like, you know, it's like a, a fighter trying to develop in a gym where he's like, oh, there's other one. There's only one other guy that boxes here and we meet once a week. And then sometimes it's like you just can't. You have to be in a gym where. You know, you're you're sparring every day. And I think when you're here, the competitive level, the competitive nature of it and who you're around and how every um, every great is here and then all the greats that you've never heard of are here. It's very you can get it can get a little overwhelming and daunting and require a lot of balance to personally and emotionally manage that well. And that's something that I've struggled with for a while, because, you know, it's like as you get older you're kind of like, all right, well, there's your age as a man and then there's your age as a career and then there's your financial situation and blah, 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 and all these sort of things weigh in. And then there's – you see people getting things that you're not getting and other things like that. And you can tend to um, – your vision can get blurred from how good you actually are as a comedian because maybe that's not being reflected by where your career is at. And so I think a lot of times I lose – and this is every comic in here no matter how big they are or not. Like I also know comics who were mega famous here and also thinking like, you know, uh, I got lucky because of that show and that show. But really, comedy wise, I'm not as good as these five people. So I have they have imposter syndrome. So when you're sitting in the middle of the mecca of it, you definitely lose a perspective that people from the outside can maybe see. I guess that makes what I'm saying has to be. What is there? Thousands of comedians probably in New York City. There's maybe a couple. There's maybe a hundred here. If you want to be completely yeah. honest, there's maybe a hundred people that traveling throughout the state that are actually trying to be air quote stand up comics. Yeah, there's thousands and there's, you know, thousand great ones and there's guys you've never heard of. I mean, listen, you're like Mike Vecchione, my partner, one of the greats. And, you know, he's, you know, in terms of recognition, he's so heralded as one of the best from all the comics. I mean, his album is like, the amount of retweets and people supporting it is massive to almost shake the tree of the community and the listeners to be like, you have to hear this guy. He's unbelievable. You know, his Tonight Show performances are 
without a doubt, and this is a non-abysement, they are some of the best ones that have ever been on The Tonight Show. And they're just, they're unbelievable. And so, um, but at the same time, you know, you where where that that does not equal up with the amount of success that people think he should have, um, just in terms of uh, the the network recognition, if that makes sense. So it's got to be tough. I mean, generally, you don't want to count somebody else's money. You know what I'm saying? I get that, but at the same time, with you being exposed to so much of it, I could see where it gets daunting. But you go out on the road, don't you? You travel for, out of the city to to go do jobs. I do. Right? I open for Big J a lot. I open for Soda a lot because they're just buddies of mine. I open for Vecchione, Jessica Curson, Vic DiBattetto, which has been fantastic recently. And then, as a result of uh, Dave Attell, I open up for a lot. But as a result of going with those bigger comics, I get asked back and I start headlining those clubs, which is pretty great. You know, you can't, you know, it, the, 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 the actual course that this takes and the, the, grow, the rate of growth and the process is the process. And it's usually a slow process. But then there are the people who it's like they just get plucked and they just immediately just kind of rise to the top like that. You know, so it's like you're never going to be able to control when that happens or doesn't happen. You know, there's comedians who are mega famous and it's like, you know, that's you were the it's the exact same thing as anything else in entertainment. You're the right face at the right time for the right role, blah, 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 blah. They say that luck is actually when preparation meets opportunity. Yeah. yeah. So it's I get that. But at the same time, like, but there, yeah, but there's that. But I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about there's sort of like in entertainment. It's like, oh, we need somebody that looks like you. If you're not ready, we'll make you ready and we'll build the thing around you. But, yeah, you know, you have to understand how much of how ridiculous entertainment industry. It's but, ridiculous. But then those people will burn out after they're not famous anymore, though, right? Isn't that the, the downside is you have to kind of be ready to, to yes. what happens next. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like once that job's over, then now what? And yep. I think that's the, the way I hear it. And I'm not I'm fucking sitting here telling you it's from what I understand. You prove your salt on the road. That's the deal. Your home city, New York, California, Houston, Texas, Atlanta, where the fuck you're at there, that's your gym. That's when you're in there mixing it up and just trying to sharpen some shit. But you got to get out there. And I think as long as you're doing that, then you're you're doing what you're supposed to. I worry about the people that don't because you might not be funny in Missouri, Iowa, Dallas, Texas, that you might have a different look. And how do you know if you're funny if you're not doing that? Correct. Yeah, you got to be able to play to the masses. Get in there and mix it up. I appreciate with Gas Digital and and Lewis in particular. Um, I, I know a lot of his story, and I think that it's pretty cool to have somebody like that at the helm, somebody that you know is going to fucking get in and swing with you. And so I appreciate the fact that you guys, as a network with Legion of Skanks, with all the the, the arrangement of shows that y'all have, you're kind of representing that no-filtered raw comedy shit. I know right now there's a lot of people that are really getting uh, touchy about their content and their words. And, Ugh. you know, uh, <laughs> I don't want comedy to go away. I know that it's not going to, but it, it is odd now seeing like how, you know, people will jump on folks and things will just get blown out of proportion quick when a comic says something trying to be funny. And then, yeah, it's, it's so ridiculous. It's like, I, I, I say on, I mean, I, I may be naive because I'm like, you know, who the fuck cares about me and what I say? It's like, I have one podcast and it's got, you know, thousands of listeners. I'm not a person who's, got millions of eyes on me you know there's less than 10,000 followers on my twitter right now so what i say doesn't matter that much so when i say things like you know what i don't subscribe to any of this shit it doesn't bother me 
you know, I'm going to say what I want to say anyway. I mean, I don't think I have too many opinions. That, I mean, my opinions certainly are going to be the ones to ruffle feathers, but I think my opinions are based pretty much in reality. You know, you watch like Bill Burr say what he wants to say, and it's like he, everything he's always saying. He's like, yeah, he just kicks things the way they they're real. And I just say things the way they're real, but I'm like, I'm certainly not going to ever subscribe to like, I just sort of feel like when people are like, oh, you can't say this. I'm like, shut up. Please, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm just trying to make you laugh. That's all. I'm trying to make you laugh. <laughs> Chill the yeah. fuck out. I hope people figure it out and, and stop being so fucking <laughs> uptight, man. It's it's ridiculous seeing how many yeah. people get bent out of shape. But yeah, never mind that. Justin, mm-hmm. like we said in the beginning, um, I've heard you refer to yourself as a beast master. I saw a video of you uh, feeding squirrels. I've seen a video of you with your dogs. You really dig animals, huh? That's, that's your yeah. thing. You got a gift. Yeah, yeah. yeah I have a, a special thing with them. And, you know, I was uh, doing personal training during the day while I was working with dog while, while I was doing comedy at night. And then uh, when I started rescuing animals, I started rescuing dogs. I realized that I had like a, a green thumb with them, the canine equivalent of a green thumb. and could figure out really, really difficult canine scenarios with relative ease. And I quit personal training and started dog training. And, you know, that was a whole, you know, few year process that we don't even get into all the details of that, but got a lot of success at that from everything from, um, my own TV show on CBS is sort of like uh, New York's go-to guy for dogs, which ended up on, you know, Wednesday night primetime, which was pretty amazing. And then um, traveled across the world to train dogs in other countries and um, wrote uh, wrote a book called The Language of Dogs. And I own and operate a company called The Language of Dogs here in New York, which is a full service dog care dog training company. And I have my pit bulls and um, they're just like a huge part of my life. And I've always just had like a a love and a care of animals in general. I think that um, you kind of treat animals the way you want to be treated. And there's always been this very sensitive part of me that uh, there's always been this very sensitive part of me that um, has extended its sort of kindness to animals. And at the same time, like um, I have like a tough love kind of like I have a very tough love, like get over your problems way of looking at myself personally in terms of like, you know, when I was a kid, I was chubby. And then I, when I got into fitness, I was like, yo, fuck this. Like, get into the gym, hit it hard, coach yourself. I have just a very strong internal coaching voice. Good. And, and I think I use that same voice when it comes to helping people with their animals, when people can get into sort of these little weird myopias where they're in codependent situations with their animals or their dogs are acting out in ways that it's like, you know, running the household and it just takes a, someone who has a not a know-how and be like, whoa, 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 this is way out of hand. Like, stop feeling bad for yourself. Stop feeling bad for him. We can go ahead and make a happy story here. And here's steps one through A through Z to teach you how to go ahead and do it. And if you follow what I'm saying, like, we will go ahead and accomplish it together. Ready, set, go. And that's sort of how I look at it. And, um, I, you know, I'm proud to say that I've helped hundreds, if not thousands of dogs and if you think about i guess the viewers which were in the millions on dogs in the city and who knows how many people have bought my book at this point it might even be more than that you know i started my charity funny for fido when i was two years into comedy which was comic stand-up for homeless animals it's a benefit we do every year to um donate all the money to the uh homeless dog shelters in new york city and the best comics in the world have done it from you know david tell colin quinn Amy Schumer has done it. Um, Greer Barnes has done it. Jim Gaffigan's done it. Judah, like, there's not a, a comic 
on my favorites list that hasn't done it. And that's a special thing. And then I think that, you know, the funny part of the Beastmaster thing came from when I was on the bonfire with Big J. We were doing a weekend in D.C. And he was like, hey, man, what'd you do this morning? I was like, ah, I went, I got some coffee, and then I broke up a fight between these two birds. And yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he went off for like a week saying that he thought I was insane and what a liar I was and all this. And so I sent him a video of me picking up like a wounded bird in my neighborhood. And he's like, wow, Justin's really crazy now because he's actually picking up dead birds to prove to me that he's like picking up birds. And then I went in and I was like, no, here's the other half of that video where the bird sort of flies away. He's like, all right, so you pick up sick birds. I was like, yeah, all the time. And if you find like, and the funny thing is like, I have all these videos on my Instagram where like there'll be birds sitting there and if you approach them right, you can pick them up. Right. (laughs) And I have the dogs that I train and then there's the squirrels that are on my fire escape in New York and I leave squirrel feed for them so they come in the apartment and like, my dogs will be sitting there and the squirrels come up right next to them and eat, you know, eat out of the eat out of the bowl. And so there's just enough funny animal stuff going on in my life where you're like, all right, you know, Dan started calling me the Beastmaster. And then it just sort of took on this uh, this character, especially on the bonfire where everything is blown out of proportion. And, you know, when we did Skankfest last year, I, I me and Jay have those epic drum battles and I come out in a costume as the Beastmaster with like. You know, Just in a loincloth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuzzy um, boots. Like a fake dead lion skin around my shoulders. and a you know, <laughs> on my arm. It's just ridiculous. So. It's awesome, man. No, I think it's fucking funny. I can tell that you really enjoy it. I have to imagine that being from where you're from, you develop a little bit of a skin. But at the end of the day, yeah. what are you made of? I think that you have a big fucking heart and you really enjoy yeah, your animals, man. I love it. When <laughs> it just it cracks me up. And I can totally see Ace Ventura style animal love. You walk in and you make a noise and then just mice and shit start coming out of the fucking wall. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's like, oh, Justin's like a Disney princess. That's what it, uh, didn't you have a video where one landed on your finger like a bird landed on your finger? Oh, uh, did you see that one? I did see it. And that's no. what somebody called you fucking Snow White or something. It just you standing I had there. This, yeah, they're like you're like a. Snow. <laughs> I had this one where this was the weirdest thing. There was a parakeet. It was on the street in New York. I just picked the thing up and I'm like holding it, and then it just flies away. There was nothing wrong with it. And they're like, "What the fuck, man." I understand that, that you're kind of got things going on there in the city. Tell me about the uh, the AA shows. Oh, anxiety attack. Yeah, I I, I don't know anything about it. I thought you meant Alcoholics Anonymous. A is really cool. So we started this thing. I thought anxiety attack, the third Thursday of every month at New York Comedy Club's East Village location, which is awesome. New club that they just opened up. It took over the old Eastville, which the new Eastville in Brooklyn is fantastic, too. I did that last night. And uh, it was like it's I bring you the most high energy neurotic comics in the city which I think is just such a cool theme. And I've been trying to do the show with a few different clubs. And finally, the uh, the management and the ownership, who is Emilio and Amy, at the New York Comedy Club, also do the Fairfield Comedy Club. They do Philly Comedy Club, AC Comedy Club. They have a bunch of little rooms that they do around the country. They are so supportive of what comedians want to do, and they're real lovers and nurturers of comedy. And they really take clubs that are, like they took the old New York Comedy Club, which was a dump, and they really turned it into one of the best spots in the city. I mean, it's a kill box. People record their albums there. It's unbelievable. So they really were like, hey, this is a concept we can get get behind and they've been great and so we had two shows so far we're about to do our third but the first two were unbelievable right they were great it's been such a fun thing to do um yeah they've been great so normally when i have comics on i have a, a question or two and 
how long have you been doing comedy? Because I started about 13 or 14 years ago, I think. Yeah. Somewhere on there. I don't I'm so bad with numbers and dates. I'm the worst with that. Like people like I, I if you asked me when I graduated high school, I couldn't tell you. If you asked me when I graduated well, I didn't graduate college, but if you asked I couldn't tell you these things. Um I but I took when I did dogs in the city, I took a bunch of time off because I was focusing like I was out there in LA, I was shooting pilots and working that that aspect of my career just shot through the roof and I was like, I couldn't do both. Right. Comedy's not something you can do part time. You have I mean you can, I guess, but not it's good. not something I would feel right doing at halftime. So I took a bunch of time off and had just gotten back to it three years ago and, you know, built a whole new hour, which is a lot to do, I guess, and reestablished myself here, which was the hardest, the, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life was coming back to a city after I've lived in L.A. and stayed away from comedy for a while and seen how much everyone had advanced and try to get my footing right. Like it is it was it, it, it was nothing was harder in my life. I mean, I've had physical, I've had personal experiences in my life that were almost like, almost landed me in fucking mental institutions, if I'm being honest with you. But in terms of like, holy shit, this is where I'm at right now. And you just got to put your head down and put one foot in front of the other. Like that, that, this is, that has been the hardest thing. And I can finally say I'm in a place where like, I feel very, very good about where I'm at. But so you know, collectively, it's got to be like uh, if it's times on time on stage, it's got to be around like 12, 10, 12 years at this point. So it's been a long time. You hit your prime, man. You find your voice. You you know, audiences, how to work them. You get your crowd work up like it's it's really good to see people in that spot. So I'm excited. I'm going to keep some eyes on you. Yeah, thanks, man. I'm, I'm excited. Like doing the head like I've been headlining a bunch and it's so much fun to do like a full hour. And I do longer sometimes and just really stretch out and have a good time with people. So so in that time, have you had this is my, my best and worst. Have you okay. had moments where this is something I'm going to remember forever? Like so, uh, something that really kind of blew you away there. The best spot is when you're really featuring. And I think that on the road with Jay and Soder, because everybody knows who I am from the bonfire, it's been, it was in, it's gotta be around like last year where there was like the six month period where I was on the road with those guys a lot. And my act, I'd really gotten to the point where any of the bullshit stuff in my act that I really didn't want in there was gone. And I was like, all right, Every, I'm, everything I'm performing right now, it's like I hope each, I hope someone is in the room. You know what I mean? You're throwing heat. I just felt like I was really – it's like if a, it's like if a musician has this album and they're going to go tour the album. They're like, I love this fucking set list. I was like, this set list feels so fucking right. And, and I can't – I'm not going to say it was a particular show because there was like weekends where I was just like, god damn it that where we'd be on the road where i was just like like you know i'd be with jay and dan and they'd be like dude you are the the the, we had great shows man you killed it on these first ones and you know there's times where it's like you know my job is to go up there and usually the host is like you know at at sometimes good at best competent i mean i'm sorry sometimes good for the most part competent sometimes incompetent and that's true and then you go up there and I was like, man, I really just feel this level of skill and confidence and relaxation and I'm who I am and you're getting the crowd to respond then. And afterwards, like people are like, fuck, you make fans from that. And I think that that position 
is where everybody comes out of the feature position. You know what I mean? Jay came came up by opening for Attell, and Soda came up from opening from Colin, and it's sort of like you know, um, and so and then that led to headlining, which has really been. I was like, man, this is. Um, I really feel like I like when an when an athlete is running. And I'm like, man, I've got like I've got a wind behind my back right now where I just feel fast. I got this. <laughs> yeah, don't worry 100%. about it. I, I and I don't. This. And then, um, and then to answer your second question, the worst times. Oh yeah, I believe that you grow from from failure, and a lot of times well, people aren't uh, they, they don't want to tell me the bad ones. And that's, I'm curious. Let, let me give you, let me give you something more current. That's not even the worst, but let me give you something more relative. In fact, because I've had everyone's had shows where they bomb. Like I had a show I did recently at some alt room, which and I tend to do well in alt rooms, but it was some alt room down um, in the in the East Village. And the second I got on stage, they decided they don't like me, and that was it. They were sticking to it, and I was just like, "This that sucked." I just it, it put a horrible feeling in me. I was like, fuck that, fuck that place, fuck that room, fuck that. I was, I was so pissed. I was pissed. You know what I mean? The but, fuck is wrong with you? You're supposed to yeah. laugh. <laughs> but something more current was like a few weeks ago where I realized like I was sort of feeling frustrated about things in the business and I realized like I started taking on this aggressive tone with the audience, which a lot of times is funny because I'm fans of like Kevin Brennan and David Tell when they're pissed off. Yeah. But I was turning that on too much, and what I was doing is like I was forgetting to be like genuine, and was just trying to go. I was like, "Oh look, I can run this set going on fumes," and it was almost like I was being a heel on stage instead of like a little bit more of who I am, which is a little bit more of like a a baby face, right? And I was like, <laughs> and I was becoming a little bit too insulty, and I was in the car ride home with my good friends. And they pointed out, and it was like my friend Nicole, who's a good friend of mine and a friend of a lot of comics. She's like, you were you were going at it a little hard. And I realized that what I was doing was I wasn't like being authentic. And I was talking to Mike Vecchione about it, who was like, you know, you find your voice on stage and there's a lot of times you get off of it. And you like, you know, it's just like correcting course. Like when you're driving, uh, you know, the steering wheel is constantly taking little at the, the attitude adjusts to the left, the attitude adjusts to the right, the attitude adjusts to the left, the attitude adjusts to the right. And then just and then I was like, shit, I have to not do that again. And then I went up again, and it was like I realized I did it again. And then I was like, I did it again. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm I'm stuck in this little mode. Oh no. <laughs> and then it was interesting. It was like it was this weekend where I was like such in an emotional place from some shit that went on where I was like, I can't like I'm just too raw to do to be mean spirited in any way. Like I kind of need them right now. Like I need the audience. Right. And I felt like this weekend. I was like, oh, like I took it, like I got, I grew from realizing that like, listen, you can't do that other bolt. You can't use that crutch you've been leaning on. It's like, it's almost like when a boxer's got like this sort of like, oh, I can, I, I can always land this like weird sort of trick punch I can land. But then you get a fighter who's like, shit, every time I land this, like the guy's hand goes up, he blocks it and I get clocked. Now I got nothing. <laughs> I got to move on. Right. And I was like, fuck, I got to find another way. And this other way was just a little bit more uh, genuine. That's really there's, good. There, there's an answer that's maybe not as funny, but a little bit more, you know. Oh, no. it's I, I'm curious about the whole aspect of it, man. I think it's a, an amazing job being a stand-up comic. And I think yeah. that people that do it the, the right way, that are willing to put in the time and effort, they're very admirable people. You really enjoy what you do. And it's nice when you can finally start to feel some success from that. It's good. Yeah. 
so you don't feel like you've been wasting your fucking time. I'm sure there's people that do it 10, 12, 20 years and don't, yeah. they never make it. And there's like, fuck this game. So to be able to, to press forward and be able to take those little wins. Like, I can't imagine being able to sit there with, with Big J and Dan Soder and have them actually say, man, you know, this is, you got this, man. That's got to be feeling really fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're like, you know, they're my, these, they're, those guys are like my family. You know what I'm saying? Like those guys. And I think they also knew they were like, man, my, our buddy is going to need some support right now. Yeah. And they're not going to lie to you. That's something I think that people I hear from some of the other parts. It's a lot of bullshit, you know. So it's nice if you can actually find a good a good family. So I'm, yeah. I'm happy for yeah, you, man. Yeah, definitely. Well, look here. Um, I don't want to keep you too much longer because I know you got shit no, to I, do. I, I enjoyed it, man. So go ahead, give me some plugs. Give me your website. Anything you yeah, got coming if, up. Uh, so so obviously, no disrespect is the podcast that me and Vecchione are working at a lot right now. We have good episodes. We have ones that aren't as great um, as we're figuring out. Some of my favorite ones are the Greer Barnes episode, my black friend recently, the, the the Rosebud Baker one was really funny. I love the Kevin Brennan episode. So check some of those out just to sort of give you sort of the best of what we can do. And then there's also one from the heart where me and Mike are just, like I said, we're just talking to each other from the heart and you'll hear more of those. Um, my website is IamJustinSilver.com, and you can sort of check out a lot of things I'm doing there. And also, there's tickets to all my shows, which include the ones for where I'm opening for other comics. I'll be in uh, I'll be in Jersey um, at the Stress Factory. I'll be in Fairfield, Connecticut, coming up. I'll be back at Uncle Vinny's. Um, all the dates are on my website, so if you're interested, check that out. And then everything's also on my social media. It's I am Justin Silver across the board. Yeah, and that's pretty much that's pretty much what I got going on. Wonderful. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to meet you, man. And uh, yeah, dude, I wish man. You, we can do it again sometime. Yeah, let me know. I, I wish you all the best. And hey, if you ever get fucking bored and you find yourself down around Arkansas, you know, come through the Looney Bin, and I'll definitely come see you. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely, and definitely, definitely send. I'll post this podcast out. I'll promote. It. I, I really had a good time talking to you. Yeah, no problem. It'll be up a little bit later today. I, I got to get everything worked out. But it's a good job, man. I, it's a pleasure having you. Thanks. All right, have a good one, man. You too, brother. So that was Justin Silver. That was really cool, man. Um, I've I've been listening to him for a while. Um, he's unofficially the fourth member of the Legion of Skanks, the original Skanks. That would be Louis J. Gomez, Dave Smith, and Big J. Okerson. If you're not familiar with those people, uh, you should be. You should be. Don't be a dick. The Legion of Skanks podcast is touted as the most offensive podcast uh, on the internet. So, look them up. That was really cool. Thank you, Justin. And hopefully I get to speak to you soon. And that's that, man. We got some good shit coming up. We're going to have Kristen back. Now, it's not 100% set in concrete, but I'm pretty sure that when she sets a date, uh, it will happen. It's Veterans Day, and I felt no better opportunity than to speak to her about service and it's gonna be a good one i can't wait it's been a crazy week i found out that uh, basically i have an uncle that lied about being a navy seal i don't know if he lied let me take that back because i don't want to speak ill he's been dead for 12 13 years now so he's not here to defend himself but i know that he served i know that he was a member of uh, the construction battalion the cbs i'm not really sure where they fall i know he was a big motherfucker and that was kind of the thing that confused me just going through this process. I have not 100% confirmed that he wasn't a Navy SEAL, but I don't think so. I'm pretty sure. 
but it's weird, you know, to have somebody that you thought for, I don't know, 20 years <laughs> was this, this crazy, like, Steven Seagal bad motherfucker, and uh, to find out that they were pretty bad, but not, not as bad as they made themselves sound. That sucks. And the way I see it, I'd rather remember the guy for what he did do versus somebody telling a story or, or lying about something. Apparently, there's a lot of people that lie about being Navy SEALs, so... That sucks. But whatever. It's going to be a good time. So, you motherfuckers know the deal. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your mama, tell your friend's mama about the show. You can leave me a review, rate the show. That's how we get known around the globe, motherfucker. Big shout out to our sponsors. Uh, First and foremost, BioBidet. Now, I'm going to say this. I get a little kickback when you buy shit from BioBidet. You use my promo code, which will give you 10% off, and I get a little something-something. It's not much. Let's just say if it was $55, the Slim Edge, the one that, that, that I have, I would get like 250 right? That's cool. It's free money, but I'm not expecting much from it. I found out the other day that somebody used my promo code and bought a $600 bidet product from them and I get like $30. I would like to give a special shout out to whoever the fuck did that. If you happen to listen right now, thank you. That was really cool. I probably won't sell another one of those motherfuckers at all. So I'm happy that at least somebody took advantage of the deal. I hope that your booty hole is squeaky clean and air dried since you got the deluxe fucking model. Biobidet.com. You can go there. They've got all sorts of different products to rinse and clean your booty hole. And if you use the promo code POBOYS, you can get 10% off anything, uh, any purchase you make. So go do that. Also, we have merch.com. Hats and shirts and cups and all kinds of crazy shit. Dog tags, aprons. You can get our shit. Any... What the fuck is happening here? Shut the fuck up, computer interrupting me anyway there's all kinds of wonderful products there and the guy is a wonderful guy so we like to support local help out the little guys we have merch.com look them up and finally spunk lube yeah get some slippery on your dick babe it's a wonderful product i use it quite often whilst having sex with my wife and she thoroughly enjoys it they got plenty of different options to choose from. Uh, pure silicone. They have uh, uh, organic blend of avocado and I think grapeseed or some shit oils. And then there's the OG Spunk Lube. It's a wonderful combination of a water-based and a silicone. It looks like cum, and it's pretty fun if you want to prank your friends. Just use it and put it on their sandwich or something when they come over. Put it on your toilet seat. Whatever. SpunkLube.com. Thank you all for listening. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And if you want to get at me, uh, all you got to do is go to the Twitter. That's all I got. You want to contact me at JodyB501 at PoBoyPod. And uh, yeah, you motherfuckers have a good weekend. You bitch. Yeah. Uh. Word. Adjective. Pronoun. Adverb Run on and on and on Where my gerund's at 
Parenthetical. Uh, shit, motherfucker, ass tits, cunt, cock, motherfucker, shit, ass tits, motherfucker, shit. Come on. Pickety fuck, pickety fuck, pickety fuck, pickety fuck, 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 Shit, motherfucker, ass tits, cunt, cock, motherfucker, shit, ass tits, motherfucker, shit. Come on. Pickety fuck, pickety fuck, pickety fuck, pickety fuck, 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 Put it up on the wall, check it out for a while. You take that shit up off of the wall, put it down on the floor in a glass bowl. You take some fuck, put it up on the wall where the shit used to be. You take that fuck up off of the wall, put it down on the floor with the shit in a glass bowl. What? Yo, here's another little piece of advice, bars. You take some fuck, then some shit, then some fuck, then some shit. You got a fuck shit stack, a fuck shit stack. Take some fuck, then some shit, then some fuck, then some shit. You got a fuck shit stack, a fuck shit stack. It's a stack of fuck shit on top of itself, nigga. I make references to weaponry, ancient or new. I wear bulletproof vests for no apparent reason other than to create a false sense of importance, of which I could never. Retain on my own. I like to create a buffer memory of incredulity so y'all motherfuckers could never get near to me. I'm a cartoon character. You'll never be able to be like me. 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 I like women. I like women. I like the concept of a woman. I like to take that concept and reduce it to an object. I like to take those objects and put them in my videos. Have them shake the jiggly bits. So they look like hoes. I like to take some car polish, smear it all over their asses, and buff that shit out so it looks like fresh peaches and shit. I like to take some more of that car polish and smear it all over their tits and buff that shit out so it looks all sparkly like diamond necklaces and shit. Why? Because I'm a ladies' man. A ladies' man. A la 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 ladies' man. I'm a materialist. I'm a materialist. I'll take a piece of shit car and I lower the motherfucker. Put some 18 inch rims on the motherfucker. Take some neon, put it underneath the motherfucker. So when I roll around this town, it looks like a hover, hover, hover. I like to take a flat panel display monitor. Put one on the steering column, one inside of the glove box, one on top of the dashboard, two in back of the headrest, one mounted in the ceiling. Still in the motherfucking packaging on the back seat, so when my motherfucking friends go and sit on the shit and break it, I can honestly say I just don't give a fuck. You take some fuck, then some shit, then some fuck, then some shit. You got a fuck shit stack, a fuck shit stack. Take some fuck, then some shit, then some fuck, then some shit. You got a fuck shit stack, a fuck shit stack. Take some fuck, then some shit, then some fuck, then some shit. You got a fuck shit stack, a fuck shit stack. Take some fuck, then some shit, then some fuck, then some shit. You got a fuck shit stack, a fuck shit stack. It's a stack of fuck shit on top of itself, nigga. Yo, where my girls at? Where my girls? Where my grills at? Where my grills at? Where my girls at? Where my girls at? Where my grills at? Where my grills at? Where is the fun?